1: Do you want to ensure business continuity, maximize your business potential, cater to your customers' needs and concerns, and boost your digital presence? Staying on top of everything doesn't come easy. That's why I want to introduce you guys to Vessel PH to help boost your business's digital presence and make it relevant to your customers' ever evolving needs. Vessel PH has built-in tools and features that make online selling a breeze. Customize your online store to make it stand out in the crowded digital space. Integrate your existing digital store to other systems or onboard your e-commerce website to Gcash's marketplace, GLife, all with the help of experts. Vessel PH also provides account managers to assist and guide you with your needs and affordable SaaS for cost savings and customization. All your e-commerce needs are now in one place. Your business deserves this kind of freedom. Let Vessel PH help you. Check them out at vessel.ph or click the link in my description.
0: Podcast network asia there should be you know passion you know without passion i mean it's it's on a logical standpoint you know to work 16 18 hours uh, a day uh, it's it's illogical actually so i think passion has to be there I, that's number one. then number two is actually you know it's on learning. I think uh, that's that's very important. So for in, in for me, the way I learn new things is that you know reading books, lots of, lots of books. And three actually probably grind. You know, I mean you could have all the talent and skills, but without grind, I think I think no. But I, I mean it's so hard. It's so difficult actually being an entrepreneur. So so. Those are the three, you know, things that I top of my top of my.
1: Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you are watching or listening to us from all over the Philippines and from all over the world, and welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about business. What are their success secrets? Can we share? Can we also learn how to make those success secrets successful for us as well? How have they pivoted? How have they innovated their businesses during this pandemic? But more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in this new, new, or this now normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to learn from them. Just drop me a message. We are live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Penas TV, and the Bounce Back Network. If you've been enjoying my podcast so far and you are learning a lot from it, please do me a favor. Please subscribe and invite more friends to listen to the RJ Ledesma podcast on uh, Spotify, on Google, and Apple. And you can also catch us on YouTube, and before we start with our podcast, here's a quick shout out to our good friends from Vessel. Vessel PH can help you future-proof your business by boosting your digital presence and making sure that you can attract more customers and more sales. If you want to learn more about them, just click on the link in my description. Tonight, I've got a great guest. We were just together in the CEO Summit in Baguio this week. A uh, lot, of, lot of great learning and insights coming from him because his business is not just a startup, it's actually an advocacy. We've got Sparky Pereira, who is a CEO and co-founder of Pearl Pay. Pearl Pay is an end-to-end digital banking solutions provider that empowers rural banks in the Philippines with digital transformation. The company has been trying to gradually or at least accelerate digital infrastructure here in the Philippines so that they can support the transformation efforts of community-based financial institutions. If you check out their website, you will see that they're helping rural banks, microfinancing institutions, cooperatives, and other similar institutions so that they can serve and reach more of our underserved and unbanked Filipinos. With that, please welcome to the show, my friend, Sparky Pereira. Sparky, welcome, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me, RJ. I really appreciate it.
1: No, I, I, I'm so glad that, uh, that we're here talking together, you know. It, it was quite an opportunity for us to see each other uh, in the CEO Summit in Baguio. And a shout-out to Jello Valdez, uh, who put together a really, really great summit. Uh, great weather, great food, great company. And of course, people like yourself. And just last Tuesday, I had uh, James uh, of Servicoin uh, Dongla here on the show. Both of you guys really great uh, advocates for finance here in the Philippines or for for inclusive financial uh, business here in the Philippines. Now, Spark, uh, one of the big things, and you know, we're saying this belatedly to congratulate you. But something big happened to Pearl Pay last year. You won actually an international competition. Tell us more about that.
0: Correct. So actually, in the in the words of the you know the Visa uh, startup coach uh, for for teaching, this is the first time for a Filipino fintech company to represent Asia Pacific. So you know across five regions, you know Asia Pacific, Latin America, uh, the US, North America, and then uh, other regions, the Sub Saharan region. This is the first time that a Filipino fintech company, uh, you know, was able to represent the Asia Pacific region. And Asia Pacific, according you know, in the words of the Visa, when you talk about Asia Asia Pacific, top three countries in mind would be China, Singapore, and India. You know, I mean, wow. Philippines. Uh, in Indonesia, you know, and it, it's nice to have. You know, it, it's it's uh, really surprising to see that the fintech company from the Philippines was able to represent the Asia Pacific region.
1: Well, so it's it's a really uh, a big deal. Uh, can you tell us a bit more. What is it? It's called. It was the Visa Mastercard Everywhere initiative, that, right? That's a that's a global competition. Yeah. Tell us a more about. Right? Why this competition is so so relevant, especially for us to win it here in the Philippines?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you know the uh, the Visa Everywhere Initiative. It's a global competition across five regions, and uh, you know the regional uh, winner for each region was able to compete. You know at the world stage uh, last September fifteen, and uh, yeah, and and these are the startups. You know the next generation startups. Um, that has huge potential in terms of social mm-hmm. impact uh, for, for doing digital finance. So yeah, I think we're, we were lucky to represent the Asia Pacific, and of course, our you know to be proud to represent our 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 beloved country, RJ. I
1: love that. So I I think the key thing over here is that it's not just the finance, it's not the startup itself, but the social impact that it has uh, on the country, and hopefully something that can scale to other countries as well. Just a question for you. I understand um, that in the uh, in the past 5 years they've raised about uh, they've got they've gone through over 8500 startups they've raised about 2.5 billion funding for the startups which have gone through the visa uh, everywhere initiative were you able to get or secure some uh, funding or investment as a result of participating in the visa everywhere initiative competition yeah yeah actually
0: we you know we successfully raised uh, uh in our pre series a round now we are prepping wow. up ourselves for for the series a round so we're just you know, hitting, hitting the right target, hitting the right metrics. But definitely it's going to be this year for, for our Series A round, uh, RJ. Fantastic.
1: And I hope you don't mind taking a step back, Spark, because you know, there are people here listening who are involved in the startup world, but there are also people over here who are hearing some words for the first time. So if you don't mind, can you try to, if you can, and break it down for the people listening, what do you mean by pre-Series A and Series A uh, funding, especially when we uh, are talking about startups?
0: All right. Uh, okay. So for, you know, for, for, for in the startup industry, in the startup world, uh, we have a series of stage, uh, in terms of, uh, investment round. So first is the seed round, which normally being taken care of by the friends, families of the founders. And then the pre-series A round is, you know, it's, uh, we are able to find an angel investor, uh, to finance, to build the product, you know, to build a product, and then for the Series A round, this is now for uh, it will now be utilized for scale up, you know, to support and fuel the growth of the startup company. So at least in our pre-Series A round, we are able to raise enough capital to build the product uh, for full
1: Wow, fantastic! And you know, the other thing that I wanted to uh, bring up over here was that um, you, you told me that um, that you actually had a startup coach, right, or, or people coaching you. I hope you don't mind, you know, uh, before we get into discussing uh, more about Pearl Pay, what did you pick up from the startup coach that you can also share to potential startups or potential businesses uh, who are listening to us here right now?
0: Yeah, that's oh, okay. So in my case, you know, shout out to Giorgio Torres uh, of, of Plug and Play. You know, he's, he's one of our uh, startup coach um, for whenever we make, we need to decide, you know, big decisions. Uh, but in in uh, in the startup, so there are various ways. So when when we are competing, there are you know startup pitch uh, coach. So they they will be helping you to refine uh, uh, the message, uh, the pitch presentation. Um, uh, so those are the things you know at least in 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 a startup competition. But in the in the in general, by and large, a startup coach would be you know plug and play, George uh, Flores, you know who who have help us actually, in terms of making the right decision along the way, because it's, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so tough, actually, you know, um, um, uh, facing the, the big decisions that we need to make, because it could make or break the, the company.
1: If, if you don't mind, can you share some of these examples that, that do uh, sure. actually a guest here a couple of, uh, a couple of months yeah, ago. I it. <laughs> oh, yes, so yes. I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm preaching <laughs> to the converted over here, but what, what can you share people as well uh, in terms of, you know, what 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 did he teach you that he was able to distill from all the startups he he was he was learning from and gaining info from in this in Silicon Valley?
0: Okay, so uh, this was in twenty nineteen, uh, last quarter of twenty nineteen. Then we you know we participated in the Rise uh, Startup Event in in Hong Kong, sponsored by the Silicon mm-hmm. Government. So we went there, you know, we teach we we, may, uh, we met some investors, and then before the our retreat ends. One of the top fintech companies in 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 Hong Kong, you know, approached us and um, offered us a turnkey, you know, a term sheet, a sixty percent acquisition. So and wow. at the time, this is twenty nineteen. This was twenty nineteen. We don't have even a working product yet. What we have are the founding teams, and you know, we have uh, so what we have is a strong team, but we don't have a working product yet. So we asked. George thought, right? hey, you know what? We are being acquired 60%. Here's the term It's a multi-million dollar uh, deal. What do you think? It's too early. You know, it's too early for to get acquired and lose control of, 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 uh, uh, of the company, yeah. right? At, at 60%, you, you're basically giving away the company. So mm-hmm. we follow this advice, actually. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's in, in, in its own words you know, we consider that as a predatory deal at this early stage, right? So, so we are able to raise funds and, uh, fortunately for us, enough for us to qualify, uh, for plug and play Indonesia. So we have operations in Indonesia through the help of, uh, Jolio Flores and plug and play team. So that's, you know, that's one thing, you know, and, and the other one, uh, I, I could still remember, uh, whenever, whenever I had a chance to, to discuss with uh, venture capital, uh, you know, capitalist, uh, venture partners, I normally ask them, you know, uh, uh, share at least our, our current challenges. And I still remember uh, when we finished the investment or the business plan, version 1.0 of RealPay in 2017, uh, we are primarily focused on the e-wallet technology. So we, you know, we believe this will, you know, this will be, this will revolutionize the the rural banks. Right? And when we went to the ground, we learned that the it's not the top priority of, of the rural banks of our target market. It's actually the core banking, uh, uh you know, replacing their legacy infrastructure. So oh. at that point in time, we now have a product market. Team. You know, we don't have a product market seat because our product, you know, that's you know the uh, our doesn't the market <laughs> exactly. And so I I I, I uh, there was a venture partner I asked, hey, you know what? Uh, there is uh, we we're, we're facing a uh, we don't have the product market seat. And what do you think we should do? And then he he he, you know what? Um, whoever holds the core banking solution actually wins because basically it holds all the data. You know, the checking account, the savings account, the bank deposits, the loan accounts, right? And you're just one step away to offer adjacent products and services. And then I told him with the very limited resources that we have, we have the founding team and you know a, a handful of software engineers but you know it will dilute our efforts you know our uh, uh we will be uh spreading ourselves to team that's that's my response to, to the venture partner and then he told you know that's the kind of decisions you have to make as an entrepreneur so it's really up to you whether you know you're, it's going to break or make your company and and so what i did and and what i did uh whenever you know when, when in doubt go back to the customer uh journey so so, uh, you know, we reach out to the rural banks and then, you know, just, just to give them a heads up that we are planning and studying to uh, uh, shift our focus to the core banking. And then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, we we started to gain traction, but it's not overnight, right? Not overnight, but but I think we made the right decision to shift our focus from, from the, this is pre-COVID, by the way, pre-COVID, uh, pre-pandemic. So, you know, the rural banks, are their primary channel in terms of providing financial services still over the counter, you know, through branch network. So, but you know, with with COVID nineteen in place, it it changed the landscape, you know, changed the landscape, and it allows our target market to embrace uh, digital or mobile banking channel. So, yeah. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may
1: vary. So, it, so this pandemic was actually a, a boon to your business, not a bane to. to yes.
0: Yes, we were. I think we were lucky uh, as a company. We were lucky uh, to be in an industry where you know digital transformation is. I mean, the, we don't have to sell, you know we don't have to educate. It's, it's a, the COVID-19 is, is a strong catalyst for digital transformation. So yeah, uh, there's a strong demand for, for, for the services that we are. We are offering to, to the rural banks and cooperative banks.
1: Okay, Th- thanks so much, Park. Uh, we kind of went on a roundabout discussion, but I think it was, it was very, it was very ins- I- I- informative to go through that process because many startups encountered that same sort of issue and you really, I think, helped all of them out in terms of the clarity of thinking moving ahead. Now, with that, no, you did say that you, you, you were done pitching in front of Visa, in front of a lot of venture capitalists in, in the global finals. Maybe you could give us a little sample of what you were doing. How, can you, how, how do you pitch right now? What was your elevator pitch, or rather, what is just your pitch? Uh, in front uh, of the people in, in visa for uh, for Pearl Pay so we can understand it a bit better.
0: Yeah. So well, it, well, this is this is. Uh, I think by and large, uh, there is a standard uh, flow of teaching, You know, uh, first is to define the problem. You know, and, and what what kind of problem is it worth solving? The problem, what kind of opportunity? Because from problem translates to opportunity. So how big is the the market? Uh, from Philippines standpoint, and then you know regional standpoint, and then global, global uh, at the global perspective. So yeah, and and of course we are being assisted by and guided by by the you know by the startup uh, visa coach uh, helping us to refine our speech. But in 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 principle, in essence, those are you know those are the uh, uh, information needed to convey and communicate well with the audience. 'Cause uh we only have less than three minutes actually to do the okay,
1: Jackie. So what, what's your pitch right now? Can you explain to people what can you give us a sample of your pitch right yeah. now of how do you
0: pitch Pearl Pay? Yeah. Okay, so well our 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 uh, uh, products and services is very simple. For uh, Pearl Pay training. So this is a passbook, right? So this is Patchbook. We help, you know, rural banks, uh, thousands of rural banks in Southeast Asia to go digital. So that's you know, that's that's uh, actually what we do. Helping them to go digital from uh, cashless banking to digital banking. So, in principle, that's 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 what we do.
1: Okay. Well, that was a quick that was a quick pitch, huh? Uh, now, now, now I, I get what you do now. Um, basically, you're helping digitize the the rural banks, right? You're helping Correct. them digitize a lot of things. That so that at least um, I mean the it's sort of like what, what I recall right now is that they used to say that um, uh, Ayana uh, of uh, jo- of Jojo uh, Perez, right? Yes. The Biggest remittance was not. F- not not from another country to the Philippines, but from urban to rural. And correct. it sort of mirrors what you have also in terms of the, the concern over here. The, the biggest concern is not necessarily from doing business from the big bank to an international bank, but rather from our rural banks to our to sort of like our big banks. Is that is that sort of like a correct analogy to me? That's where the real, sort of like, that's where the business lies? Actually, that's,
0: that's one of the... Uh... That would be one of the consequences, you know, helping the rural banks go digital. Um, you know, under you know under exponential organization, from digitization to democratization. Once data becomes digitized, you know, bits of zero and one, it's very easy to transfer information and data, right? So, and right now, this fast I mean, the way for me to to uh, do some transaction is I need to be, visit. The physical branch and you know fill up a deposit or withdrawal sleep and you know it's it's
1: especially and just to clarify this is really for the rural banks okay, I'm pass you have to go there with a passbook correct
0: because majority of them they don't have atms no debit no credit cards no digital banking no bo- mobile banking in place so what we're providing to the rural banks is adding those channels right to allow so instead of me uh, for example this is an actual password so instead of me going to the physical branch all I need to do is download the app and then you know make bills payment, uh invest even invest in crypto right uh, <laughs> uh, those are even invest in stocks eventually right so those are the things that you know a lot, a lot, giving them options uh to move their funds uh, at their convenience yeah? uh very conveniently so yeah that's that's uh, those are I think, consequences, okay. no? Uh, and there are a lot of opportunities once data has been digitized.
1: Got that, got that. So, I want to step back because, you know, right now there's so many questions I have with regard especially to the opportunities. But what I want to take the listeners through right now is the journey towards discovering uh, the problem that you encountered and how you, how you were able to address that. So, let, let's take a step back, Sparky. Um, you know, because it's, it's a, you know, this is really a financial inclusion product or a fintech product. So, my presumption is that you were a banker in your previous life before entering into technology. So take us through that. And then, then how, sure. if, you were, if you were a banker, how did you come across this problem?
0: Okay, uh, hey, that's, that's a great question. So, so I used to work in the, you know, one of the TAP banks uh, for over a decade. Uh, and in 2012, uh, my flagship project on that bank, I led the EMB chip card migration. So this is, you know, the central bank issued a circular memo. Uh, mandating all uh, financial institutions that are currently using magnetic strike cards to migrate uh, uh, to uh, you know to a much secured EMB chip card. So 2012 I led the EMB chip card for MasterCard and Visa uh for I'm the sorry, and your banker, was that
1: were you a banker by profession or were you an yes. IT guy by profession? An I,
0: yes, an IT guy works in the bank. Yes. Okay, got so, that off. Uh, so, so, so I led the, you know, I led the, um, uh, the EMV chip card migration. So I led the, the, we have work blocks. Uh, we, uh, so, so I'm, I'm leading the, uh, I led the technology work block, but there are operations, communications, waste management, fraud. But since it's more, this is more of a technology driven. So they decide, all of the work blocks decided, you know what, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's allow, uh, Spark to, you know, take the lead for, for this initiative. So, And and of course, leading the project, um, I was exposed to how 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 expensive the proprietary technology, you know, you know, tens of millions of uh, U.S. dollars uh, just to migrate, right, Uh, and to use this proprietary technology. So so I think you know self consciousness. uh, I developed this self consciousness that how many banks do we have in the Philippines that can you know that has the a multi million dollar uh, financial capacity to invest in such a prepar- mm-hmm. proprietary technology, and from one question, you know, it led from one thing to another. And before I knew it, uh, you know, I was I was really oh, okay, so this is how many banks we? Have. I mean, we have 400 rural banks in in the Philippines, not branch network, but individual uh, banking institutions under rural banks. Oh, how, and
1: how, how many? How many again? How many again? You say? Four
0: hundred. Four hundred uh, rural. Four hundred
1: banks. rural banks. Yeah. And many of these rural banks are very for the lack of a better term, they're very manual. Is that right? In many of their processes.
0: Correct. So uh, this is a passbook. As of today, there are more than 15 million uh, passbook holders under rural banks alone. And majority of them, they don't have ATMs. They're trapped on this one. And, you know, it's an opportunity loss because, you know, in, in, in the banking industry uh, or at least in, in the payment industry, every time you use your Mastercard card or Visa card issued by, you know, issued by any other commercial bank, the commercial bank earns an average of 1.14%. Right. And this passbook, all I need to do, all I have to do is basically withdraw funds and the banks are not earning. The rural banks are not artists, they are not participating in the digital payment economy. So what we what we uh, what we are providing is that we help these rural banks, cooperative financial institutions to go digital and then allow them to participate and even try it. In uh, in the digital payment economy, so we share those uh, interchange revenue with our partner rural banks and uh, cooperative uh, financial institutions. So yeah, that's uh, yeah. It started 2012, and then to the fast forward 2015, I could still remember I asked one of my mentors, uh, the one of the vice president of that bank. And you know what? I was being poached, uh, you know, locally and international. Even should I do? should I accept? You know, should I accept this? And then he, he mentioned uh, 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 a handful of things. Uh, first, I mean, if you will go to Middle East, because there was an offer in, in, in Dubai back then, uh, you know, number one culture, uh, and then you're, you have, a, you have a, a, a family, you know, and, and you need to uproot your family and then migrate in, in, in Dubai. Second, you'll be part of the 6,000 overseas Filipino workers who leave the Philippines on a daily basis. Right? So, so rather than with, with your skills and talent, rather than spend it or uh, use it outside the Philippines, why don't you, you know, uh, set up your own IT company here in the Philippines? And one month after I tendered my resignation, all of my colleagues said, you know, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy, smart. hard. No, but but in my, I think in my, in my mind uh, back then is that if I won't do this, if I at least try. You know, if I if I won't try this, I think I'm going to regret it. You know, when when I get old, you no. Know. So so yeah, that that, that So 2015, so pretty is now my my third uh, startup, and uh, yeah, I'm here for the long haul for for, for, mm-hmm.
1: for pretty has been your third startup, is that right? Yes,
0: yes, oh, so
1: what, what quite a journey if I think about it. And you know, I just want to go to the, the sort of like the mindset of many people who might be in your position right now, Spark. You know, you left uh, a steady-paying job to pursue entrepreneurship. Ma- many people wouldn't do that one. What's your advice for people at that sort of stage? How should they pre- be prepared, I guess, not just mentally and emotionally, but also, I guess, financially as well when, when they make that sort of job? Because, I mean, I'm sure all those things were, were, were part of your consideration, right? When you, when you yeah, correct, correct,
0: correct, correct. So, at least in my I was able to say uh, then uh, before it— uh, I think I was, I was, I was, I think I was lucky because, uh, 2000, you know, I'm an IT guy, so who works in the bank and I love reading books. So whenever I, I, you know, when, whenever I'm curious about something, I, I, I will read books about, about that topic. And from one, I think I still remember just one day, I mean, how, how does stock exchange work, right? How does stuff, so I read books about, uh, uh, one up, uh, on wall street by Peter Lynch, you know, uh. Uh, the best uh, mutual fund uh, manager from Fidelity. So I think it's the Bible of, you know, stock investors and stock pickers stock and traders. So I was actively investing in the uh, stock exchange uh, back in 2006 and Lo- locally. Locally, Lo- locally. locally. So yeah. And, and yeah, actually I, <laughs> I made, I made, yeah, following the, following the, uh, the guide uh, provided by the book actually, you know how to read the financial statement, et cetera, how to look for you know understanding the price earning ratio, how to so basically I'm, Im I'm a value investor, right? So I'm looking for undervalued stocks, then invest and then wait for the market correction. So I was able to save and uh, invest and give me enough runway you know to 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 become an entrepreneur so uh, yeah, it's not an overnight thing, you know. <laughs> so I spent over a decade in the banking industry as an IT. And yeah. Uh, and then, you know, for, for about three years, I was actively investing at the Philippine Stock Exchange. Uh, oh. And yeah, that's... Really, that's
1: really, uh, great, really great. Really great story. And then when, when you jumped ship and, and went the entrepreneurial route, this is the interesting thing that you had two other startups before yes. you went into that one. And we often tell people, uh, you know, um, don't fall in love with your first startup because it might not be your best startup. Tell us a bit more about your experience there. Was it, uh, did it quote unquote fail? Because there's no, there's no real failure over it. It's just that it's that, was it, a learning process, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Tell, tell us so, a bit more about those two other startups that you were doing. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So on the first startup, it was acquired by, uh, you know, a Japanese uh, uh, venture company and uh, who has a Filipino partner. So they're still operating. You know, they're still operating. So it started as a consulting company for EMV. So we made some partnership with uh, actually top top Japanese, you know, more than 100-year-old uh, 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 Japanese company. So for producing chip cards and card production. So, uh, so we, it, but, you know, we I started it in 2015 and then about less than 6 months if I'm not mistaken less than 6 months we sold it you know we sold it but you know it's it's uh, uh enough for us to you know to uh exit uh initially and then form another startup where I say... Why,
1: why, why, why did you sell it was there a reason why you weren't, your your heart wasn't the way I mean why, what's the reason for you to sell it at such an early stage that's a good
0: question so So I think any other startups, like any other startups, one fundamental challenge is fundraising. So we were trying to raise funds. And unfortunately for us, we got some commitment, but all of a sudden back out. And we hired already some people because of that commitment. And of course, you know, we, I mean, uh, to stop the bleeding, it's either we, I mean, it's hard to tell to people that you recently hired and then, you know, fire them as well. So, so rather than, you know, rather than shutting it down, we find, uh, luckily for us, uh, we are able to find a uh, who wants to invest and acquire uh, 100%. So that is the, the main reason for that one. Uh, so we solved it. We solved it. And then the second startup, actually I failed miserably. Uh, on the second startup, it actually failed and uh, but i think that's that's you know life goes on um uh, pick up pick up where i left off and you know started a new one and this one um since 2019 up to this point in time we're still you know we're still operating and growing with 52 full-time employees uh, so yeah i think we're we're, we're really growing strong
1: well, I want to go, I feel, might into the second startup where you failed miserably. Can you tell us a bit more about that one? Because the failed miserably sometimes is a great story to tell, right? What was the insight for that? What was the pain point that you were trying to solve in that second startup?
0: Yeah, okay. So, um, so number one, we, 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 we uh, uh, as a dev shop, you know, we, uh, we started it as a dev shop where we're, we're uh, developing application on behalf of, you know, Corporations, clients, we are able to close some deals actually with with uh, with some of the big banks, you know, with some of the big banks with some uh, application uh, SMS uh, to be exact. And I think I think uh, finding the right founding partner is really really important because yes, I, agree. Problems, I agree. So yeah? much, agree so and much. and this is where the I uh, think integrity matters. Uh, integrity matters, and yeah, we, you know, I decided this is not this is not the group of people that uh, I, I I want to spend with, you know, for the rest of my life. So, so I think philosophical differences. So, uh, you know, I left, I resigned, I left, and then found uh, this new startup, uh, this, which is my third startup really.
1: Which is this one over here. One last question, I hope you don't mind, because it's very instructive for me. How do people know? And I, I've had my share of having partners which we, I liked working with, and that I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not too keen to work with anymore. And sometimes, how 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 can you tell? Uh, are there red flags that you can tell, or that that some partnerships won't work out, or some founding partners won't work out, or it's really something that you you have to go through to to experience before you can tell?
0: Yeah, I think I think in my case, you know, it's a trial and error. But this one actually came from you know our good friend brand when 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 he you know when he first uh, invested in our startup. Um, and and I, I I pick up this from from his group. You no know, spark one of our criteria, you know, his group of friends, one of our criteria for investing in startup or you know a company like yours is that of course fundamentals, you know, the team, it should be there, the opportunities, right? The unit economics, it should be there. But most importantly, is this person? Is this something that I can, you know, uh, I, I want to spend, you know, uh, my my life with, uh, or something that I would like to grow all with? That was the term used by, by by this group of people. And and for me, wow, I think that is something, you know, just just ask this question: Is this person something I want to grow all with? If the if, they, if you're if you. Oh, have para,
1: para to <laughs> But it's
0: the person. <laughs> Correct. Right? If you don't see yourself, you know, uh spending, you know, all, all weekends with, with, with this person, then probably it's not a good, you know, uh, uh, idea to start with. So so from from there on I'm using that is this, you know, is this this person or this new partner is something I want to grow all with, right? Or this new co-founder is something I want to grow all with. So that's now part of the equation. And if if I started or if I hesitated, then you know it's it, it now become an indicator, right? <laughs> Becomes an indicator for me, right? So so that would be a red flag if if, if ever I hesitated. Um so yeah.
1: Okay. Now finally moving on to pearlpay Now I, I want to figure out how did you start determining what you, you said you were in the finance industry, but how did you start determining what was the pain point uh, that led to the creation of, of the, the first iteration of Pearl Pay?
0: Yeah, okay. So, initially, um, you know, this is the landscape uh, 400 rural banks, actually 24,000 community based financial institutions uh, in the Philippines, that includes cooperatives, credits, and um, since in the electronic in the digital payment industry, uh we, we have this unit economics which is called interchange revenue. So, you know, as an issuer, every time you use your card, you know, uh on Visa MasterCard, you earns one point fourteen percent. And it's an opportunity, you know, it's an opportunity loss for the rural banks simply because they don't have the right technology in case. They are trapped using this paper-based passbook technology uh and uh you know it's an opportunity lost for them not to generate those non-interest-based revenue activities which is you know payment so and and it's a big opportunity you know it's a it's a great opportunity because um uh if you you know if, if you compared us with other uh, e-wallet issuers for example uh one of the fundamental challenges of an e-money issuer you know similar to Gcash, Paymaya, Lazada Pay, is that uh, customer acquisition costs, right? Uh, you know, normally, normally uh, you have to spend multi-million dollars just to acquire new customers. And in our case, we don't want to compete head on. Um, so we need to do, you know, we need to be smart. Uh, so we're simply tapping the existing infrastructure, So I think that's the biggest opportunity here is that basically tapping the existing infrastructure of these rural banks as I mentioned, there are 15 million tax followers holders by the rural banks right and 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 working uh closely with rural banks helping them to go digital you know it's it's already ready uh, and available market as sort of users uh uh to generate volumes of transaction. second uh fundamental challenges of any e-money issuer or any fintech company uh, would be activation. So I could still remember when, you know, the early, at the early stage of e-money issuers, you know, G-Cash PayMire before they, when, whenever you top up a hundred pesos or you get a free burger, you know, from one That's of awesome. the food. And, and of course, if somebody has to pay for it right? and, and, and just to do top up in our case, um, uh, we don't have to, you know, we're not really required to run that kind of uh, program because um, 35%, you know, 35% of the loan portfolio of across the banks in the Philippines are salary loans, right? And the rural banks, they also offer salary loans. And salary loans, the way it's being dispersed is that they will send an SMS message Congratulations, Mr. Spark your loan salary loan has been approved for 10,000 pesos. You can visit our branch. From Monday to Friday, right, and then disperse the funds cash, right. So instead of you know here's an alternative. Instead of disbursing the loan proceeds over the counter, um, the moment they go, the moment now they have a mobile wallet or a mobile banking, uh, the rural banks now has the option, and even the consumer, the the loan applicant has the option to receive the loan proceeds instead of by a branch, can receive it through the wallet. So that's a form of activation, right? So we, it's a pre-fund, you know, it's a pre-fund. And here's the, you know, here's the the good part. Uh, when when a rural bank disburses cash uh, over the counter, and the loan, you know, the the loan customer uses it to pay for tuition fee, to pay for bills, the banks are not earning anything at all, right? But if they use it through the digital payment, as aforementioned, there is a unit economics called interchange revenue. You know, which allows them to generate revenue. You know, average of one point fourteen percent. Then we can share the revenue with with, with you know uh, between Thursday and things like that. So that's without you know without uh, really spending uh, that much. And in our case, competition is common thing now uh, across startups, even conglomerates. Is that you know the the north star metric of of the e money issuers, you know, and and Gcash and PayMaya, for example. Is that GTV, gross transaction uh, volume or gross transaction value? So in our case, we're not really eating any existing market space because what we're really doing is we're, we are expanding the market space by allowing this rural bank to, you know, eventually send money across Gcash and PayMaya, and you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be a win-win uh, 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 for for across all uh, entities, no. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's what we are envisioning for PearlPay and for our partner rural banks and community-based financial institutions.
1: So so Beth so the, the way to understand it, so that if I was to laymanize it and as my dad asked me, oh where, where does Pearl Pay make money? Am I if, if if my understanding is correct, you make money basically on the transaction revenue because as you upgrade them from a manual to from a legacy system, from the usual to a more digitized system, they're able to capture more transactions, and you capture more of those transactions. In the transaction fee that you're charged, you make per- PerlPay makes, makes money for every transaction that is done. Is that correct? Correct, correct. So that's one,
0: that's our main revenue uh, stream. The other one is we also charge monthly fee for the software as a service for the cloud based core banking solution and the loan management solution. So right now, actually, we are the uh, I think we, <laughs> in terms of competition, 15x, uh, 15 times better compared to our nearest competitor on the cloud based core banking solution. Because in, in our, you know, in, in, in the cloud banking, uh, our core banking space, uh, especially the enterprise software, because we are, we are an enterprise, you know, SaaS software as a service, is mm-hmm. that you develop a product. And the conventional or the traditional way of doing things is that you charge your customer a hefty license fee. And this is the, this is the main problem. Why the rural banks and community-based financial institutions are still trapped using this password technology because the digital technology for, you know, car bank is so expensive. So, and it's understandably why, because, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it requires a big capital to develop a product, you know, to develop a, especially a core banking system that needs to comply with the central bank regulations. So in our case, we need to be innovative in terms of to set a price point where, where no rural banks and community-based financial institutions will be left behind, but, you know, come up with an, uh, uh, a business model that will allow us to be sustainable and profitable at the same time. So that's where the adjacent products and services for the payment gateway for the transactions you know allow them to convert those uh, over the counter uh, cash transactions into a di- in a form of digital payments and then capture that 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 digital payment and share it together with the uh, uh, partner rural banks and community based uh, financial institutions so in in essence, that's actually what we do we have monthly recurring fee, but majority would be uh, Revenue would be coming from the uh, print actions, uh, GTV. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns.
1: Got that. So th- that's basically the, the model o- over there. And so people can better appreciate that one. But to, to get there, you were saying that there was an initial no product market fit. What was the, how did you move from there to, to the current product that you have? Yeah.
0: that's, that's Okay. So this is. Um... The so there was the residential partner, uh, you know, who uh, I, I told him, you know what, our challenge, we recognize already that we don't have a product market fit And what we need to do, we also know that what we need to do is to transition from, from you know, from an e-wallet uh, 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 product focus to core banking uh, product focus. But what we don't have is resources, you know, to execute. Um, because it will definitely, it will definitely, uh, uh, uh spread ourselves to team and the re- response of, you know, you know what it's, it's, uh, that, that, that is the kind of decision that you have to make as an entrepreneur and, but changing the perspective, I can still remember this one. So, uh, it just so happened that the. Uh, the former president, Arba president, the Rural Bankers Association of the Philippines president at the time was a good friend. So I gave him a call. Uh, I gave him a call just to validate, you know, whether whether transitioning from from, from, from an e-wallet to core banking would, you know, would, would allow us to have a product market fit. So the question is is this. Hey, you know what? We are studying uh, to, uh, to offer uh, a cloud-based core banking solution that will be you know, uh, really affordable. And his response is classic. You know what, Spark, if you do this, if you do that, uh, you will solve my problem as a president and you will solve the entire problem of the industry. And I think, I, I think uh, uh, okay, so I, I, I told him, okay, uh, after that call, I sent a chat message to our group, uh, you know, to the founding team. Uh, I sent a message to the co-founder, Pio, CTO, and NAP, uh, the chief innovation uh post-tech officer. And I, I I told them, you know what? Uh, we, the moment we offer this core banking, let's, by simply change, instead of developing it from scratch, we, the, I, uh, uh, the, the message that I sent was, let's find an off-the-shelf core banking solution that's something that we can white label. So, so, but, and, and, you know, but she changing the perspective and, you know, uh, uh, um, changing the set of, you know, line of questions. And over, you know, on the same night, it was Pio who was able to find a great open source, uh, core banking. And, um, of course, you know, it's, 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 we, we still need to comply it with, with the BSP, uh, regulatory framework. It's not easy, it's not overnight, but at least it allows us to have a working product, you know, that we don't have to spend or, or build it from scratch. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, but I, I think perspective matters, right? <laughs> perspective matters. asking the right question. So, so in that case, uh, yeah, it takes, takes time and effort. And we widely, label, uh, it, it's an open source anyway, it's an open source, uh, product. Uh, but the biggest challenge is actually to make it comply with uh, BSP. It took us actually almost a year to make it fully wow. compliant with, with BSP. Yeah.
1: Wow. Uh, and then you were talking about that. What you're helping to do is at the same time. Uh, you're talking about there's a lot of unbanked here in the Philippines. Because we're, we're we're okay technically rural banks. We see how you're helping out by helping. Uh, you're helping the rural banks and you're also helping people. Uh, you're also helping people who who are. Uh, you're helping the rural banks make more money through the transactions, but through digitizing, you're also helping it, uh ease this this, this this the smoothness of of people transacting with the bank. But how are you also helping what's the opportunity now that, that rural pay is doing for the unbanked, the larger good unbanked Yeah, yeah, Good question. And this is
0: this is our you know, in our mind, in our view, this is how we view the uh the financial inclusion challenges, you know, to, to uh, uh make the unbank you know bankable. So by helping the, the rural banks, the community-based financial institutions, you know, I could say remember, if, uh, the mo- once data becomes digitized, right, once a rural bank has been, uh, uh, there's an additional channel of digital, you know, a mobile banking channel, they can do more and they can reach more people. Because before, you know, uh, we have more than 1,500 municipalities. Half of that, you know, one third, uh, 500, around 500 municipalities doesn't have a physical branch banking network, right? Mm-hmm. 500 municipalities. Now, instead of, you know, instead of setting up a branch, you know, a branch banking network in that those 500 municipalities, a rural bank that now has a digital or a mobile banking channel can now start accepting, you know, uh, opening bank accounts through online. Right. So, so, so through on instead of me traveling uh, 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 and visiting a branch, uh, I can simply download an app and then you know sign up for, for a loan, sign up for a savings account and a checking account. And right now, that's what we're seeing, right? because there is no digital patch point for these hundreds of rural banks and thousands of cooperatives, community-based financial institutions and microfinance organizations, simply because they don't have the digital channel in place. Right, the digital banking channel. So in our, in our view, once we help, you know, and this is, you know, it aligns well with uh, 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 organization, you know, singularity, uh, from digitized to democratized, right? So that is the form of uh, 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 exponential growth. Is that once we added this digital channel for the rural banks, I mean, it, they could have an exponential growth i mean because tomorrow you know instead of setting up it's much harder to scale a physical branch network rather than by adding a you know just adding an android and uh, uh, ios uh, downloadable app you know um overnight you can have you can double your 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 your, your downloads overnight right basically launching an app so i think that's uh uh, that would be the consequence you know of 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 solving the digital inclusion and digital challenge for for, for the community based financial institutions
1: wow uh, I, I like this one but what's really happening here is that you' i'm seeing all the different opportunities that is emerging because of what you how, of, because of how you think about about Pearl pay. Can I also ask um what are the other, I mean, from your perspective, you're seeing a lot of going, uh, things going on from the ecosystem of, of Pearl Pay and, and from financial inclusion perspective. What are still the other opportunities that entrepreneurs, whether tech or non-tech or finance entrepreneurs can still play in that ecosystem where they, they don't necessarily compete with you, but they can collaborate with you to help help grow? Help growth environment. Okay, so this one, this, this
0: one is an interesting use case. So as early as 2018, you know, um, if you're familiar with the open finance or open banking framework, um, it's, it's a buzzword. But for us, we need to focus on uh, solving the digital inclusion first of the rural banks because that's our primary target market. But eventually, open finance is going to be ubiquitous. So interesting hypothetical use case would be What's happening on the ground, you know, uh, 35% of the loan portfolio across all the banks, rural banks, uh, commercial, universal banks, is salary loan, right? What's happening on the ground, you know, is for example, I'm a BPO employee, and there will come to a point that I would need a salary loan. And what's happening on the ground is as a consumer, as a a customer, I would visit the website of the big banks and try to, uh, you know, Submit, compile my requirements for loan application and get, you know, get a loan approval and select uh, the loan uh, that has the, the, you know, the best interest rate, right? The the lowest interest rate. So that's what's normally happening on the ground. Now, there's a lot of friction because I need to contact my HR, get my SSS, uh, ID, Certificate of Registration, IPR, etc. Right? and then need to submit it, compile it, fill up an application form, submit it. A lot of friction. And the, the banks would have to authenticate whether these are, you know, the, 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 the integrity of the facelift, is it, is it authentic facelift issued by the company, right? Is it, uh, are you the real person? So th- there's a lot of friction. So under the open banking, as of today, we provide the you know, core banking solution to uh, the rural banks in principle we are already a custodian of data so all of you know it's as you know as we are being regulated by dsp all of the information you know we we, we hold it as a custodian uh of data for on behalf of our uh, our partner rural banks now under the open banking framework a hypothetical use case would be uh, imagine we partnered with uh an HRIS, you know, human resource information system. I would mention. Uh, I would like to talk to this startup, for example, Sprout. Uh, Sprout, what kind of data do they have? It's employee data. What kind of uh, what what kind of data are those? You know, uh, your rank, your payslip, your certificate of register, your ID, right? Which are the requirements for you know loan loan application? So under the open banking uh, framework. We can become an AISP, application information service provider. What does it mean? We can publish API, right? So the the API endpoints, the information needed to apply for a loan, first name, last name, address, the requirements, right? Publish it as an uh, an API. Hey, you know what, startup, you you can consume our API, and then all of the all of the employees, there will be a link. For example, apply for a loan. When you click it, when, you know, when, when, uh, when I, you know, when an employee logs in right, and timeout, there will be a link. Hey, you know what? I could, I could use this. And then instead of manually preparing the loan application, I can just simply select, you know, which bank I want to, to apply. For example, the top three banks. And then the open banking subscribes to the principle that the consumer, the, you know, the, the user owns the data. So it, it must be consenting them. So I'm giving permission, you know, I, I, I will be giving permission that, okay, I'm now submitting my certificate, you know, just a checkbox, you know, so my, my, my certificate of employment, my basic, my IPR, because these are the requirements to get a loan approval from, from this desk. Now, once, you know, it's just, you know, at the tip of your, 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 your fingertips. Now, once submitted, you know, with my consent, agree to the terms and conditions, we simply refer it to the selected banks and let the banks, uh, you know, review it. And what's in it for the banks is that they can trust the source of data that it is unaltered because it came from Sprout system, you know, direct from the database that, you know, it it will be, uh, there's an integrity on the data itself. So faster review and then get back and they know that they are competing with other banks, so they would have to be competitive on the loan interest rate. And what's in it for me, I would simply choose who has the best offer in terms of interest rates. That's one, you know, that's one. And, and what we're, you know, this is the fundamental role of technology, at least, you know, in the, in, in, in uh, how, how the technology affects people's lives is that it increases the exponentially increases discoverability. Right. So, so through you know through data you know, integration, I think that's there will be a lot, of, a lot of things that will happen, you know, especially on that space. And and yeah, we we, we are you know we we are looking forward uh, to that situation and to that event. And a lot of opportunities will be definitely open up uh, in the coming. Yeah, if not months, years, no. So yeah.
1: Fantastic! Fantastic uh and and lastly spark you, you you've been you've been through banking you've been through three startups uh you've had your highs and lows you've, you've won an international competition you're seeing a bright future ahead of uh, for pro pay can you share with us maybe just three most important life lessons for entrepreneurs moving forward
0: yeah okay so i think number one is uh actually there should be you know passion you know without passion um, I mean, it's, it's on a logical standpoint, you know, to work 16, 18 hours, uh, a day, uh, it's, it's illogical actually. So I think passion has to be there. Right? That's number one. Then number two is actually, you know, it's on learning. Um, uh, I think, uh, that's, that's very important. So for in, in for me, the way I learn new things is that, you know, reading books, lots of, lots of books and, Three actually um, probably grind. You know, uh, I think without 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 without. Uh, I mean, you could have all the talent and skills, but without grind, uh, I think I think no. But I, I mean, it's so hard. It's so difficult actually being an entrepreneur. So so those are the three you know uh, things that I top of my top of mind.
1: Well, thanks so much, Sparky. I know it's been it's been such a uh, quite a journey for you to get to PearlPay here right now, and just in case um, people want if there are rural banks microfinancing institutions, cooperatives want to get in touch with uh, PearlPay to see if they can use your solution for their own institutions, how can they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah well this is our website www.purlpay.com and uh, you know uh, you can you can uh, connect with our uh, customer acquisition team. And uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, assist uh, community based financial institutions and help you with your digital transformation.
1: Fantastic. And Spark, I just want to read to you one of the comments which just came out in the chat box from Kat JC Marfa. Wow, listening to this is very inspiring. Passion, reading lots of books, and the grind. And I tell you, uh, Kat, I was inspired just as much. You know, what? Uh, I've been lax with my reading for the past couple of days because I'm on the grind all the time. But I guess, you know, what, if you're not there sharpening the saw, you're not reading out there, Actually, it's one of the reasons I do this show because it gives me a chance to actually get mentored by the people that I listen to a- every day. And things like the CEO Summit where we met, it's sometimes just great learning to be to be to be gotten from people who who have actually gone through uh gone through the problems and 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 figure out the solutions. Another great comment coming up again here, PO William Sagarino Lumangsad. I've always dreamed of having my own business. Listening to you enlightens my mind. Thank you, Spark. Thank you so much for enlightening the people listening here to the show uh, right now again. For those listening right now, uh, the RG Le Desk podcast every Tuesday and Thursdays uh, here at 7 p.m. At the same time, please check out the RG RGL Desk podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Again, it's Spark, thanks so much. Bye, guys.